we're going to talk about victory in the commission. Victory in the commission. Now, in Exodus chapter 3, starting in verse um, uh, 10, um, we, we've seen that the, the Lord's talking to, to Moses. And in verse 10, it says, Come now, therefore, I will send thee unto Pharaoh, that thou mayest bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. And Moses said unto God, Who am I that I should go unto Pharaoh, and that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt? And he said, Certainly I will be with thee, and this shall be a token unto thee that I have sent thee. When thou hast brought forth the people out of Egypt, ye shall serve God upon this mountain. We looked at that the last time we actually studied this, that so much of what is happening in this interaction with Moses right here, it's the exact same place. Some pretty major events happened, right? So God is actually validating that or, or, or showing that to Moses that there will be a time when he'll be back on that mountain. And Moses said unto God, Behold, when I come unto the children of Israel and, say, and shall say unto them, The God of your fathers has sent me unto you, and they shall say um, uh, to me, What is his name? What shall I say unto them? And God said unto Moses, I am that I am. And he said, uh, Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, I am hath sent me unto you. And God said moreover unto Moses, Thou shalt say unto the children of Israel that the word of God your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob hath sent me unto you. This is my name forever, and this my, uh, and this my memorial unto all generations. <coughs> Could I get a little thing of water? Thank you. And just whatever's back there is fine. <coughs> So we're not going to read the rest of the um, the rest of the passage at this point, but uh, we're going to do our typical breakdown. We're going to first talk about the situation, then we're going to talk about the struggle and, we'll, and the subsequent victory. The situation comes out of verse ten. Come now, therefore, I will send thee unto Pharaoh that thou mayest bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. Thanks, bro. Appreciate it. So that's, that's the, the commission. It's a threefold commission, actually. First is come. It says, come now, therefore. Now, that's not just throwaway words. I think words of Scripture are important. Come now, therefore. The first step in fulfilling the commission is to get close to the Lord. The first step in the commission is to get close to the Lord. I have yet to meet a missionary. I have yet to meet a pastor. I have yet to meet anyone with any measure of spiritual success, now they might have worldly success, but any measure of spiritual success who's just decided to go out on their own, just preach and teach the word as they see fit, without any accountability, without really the Lord showing up. I mean, there's people like that, and they may actually be fairly successful. They may have a lot of zeros in their bank account. And as I've said before, the zeros often appear after the first number. In my case, they appear before the first number. But that's okay. <clears throat> Some people are very successful. They sell spirituality. But it's very clear. God is saying Moses, to Moses, come now. Come. I want you to get this. Proximity to the Lord is important. Notice in Matthew and two verses in Luke. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I mean, Jesus calls people to come unto him. He calls people to follow him, but he calls people to come. In, in Luke 9, 23, and he said unto them, If any man will come after me and let him deny himself and take up his uh, cross daily and follow me. Come unto me. It's an important premise. And in Luke 14, 27, And whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me, 
cannot be my disciple. Like literally coming and being close to the Lord, hearing his heartbeat, understanding his word, fulfilling his great commission starts with a relationship. I mean, I'd like to make, I'd like to package it with a little more fluff. I'd like to make it a little more savvy, a little more, sound a little better and more awesomer. But you've got to start with a relationship with the Lord. It has to be a dynamic relationship with the Lord. It has, one that, it has to be growing. You have to have closeness with the Lord. The second threefold, second of the threefold part of this commission that he gives to Moses is go. Go. And he says, I will send. So from Moses' perspective, he has to go. Matthew 28, obviously, the Great Commission, 28 verse 19, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. There's a point where Jesus is sending his disciples, he's sending his apostles into the world. He says, go. Even in Acts 13, now we don't do this a lot at Midtown. What, and, and just hear me out for a second. We don't take, we take significant parts of Acts 13 but but just a little bit different. We don't do this too often where as they ministered to the Lord and fasted and the Holy Ghost said, separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. And when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. Most of the time in modern Christianity, the missionary feels the call, gets the call to go. I don't disagree with that. I think it's biblical. But in this, in Acts 13, the leadership gets the email from God and says, I want, fill in the blank in Midtown's case, but Barnabas and Saul to go. So there had to have been a, a, a I'll just say a conversation. I won't even call it a tough conversation. A conversation where the leadership, the pastors of the church in Antioch, go up to Barnabas and Saul and say, the Lord's called you to go. That's what's happening here. Moses didn't have a burden to go back to Israel or go back to Egypt to lead the children of Israel out of redemption. Sometimes pastors don't necessarily have a burden to pastor. They, they should desire the office. They should, should want to minister to people. They should already be doing it, actually. The ordination process is just a validation of what's already happening. Uh, and a public proclamation of that. We should be sent. Moses was approached by God and said, go. It's a three, threefold commission. The last part of it is bring forth. I mean, I, I mean, it's, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. Come to me, go, so we can go together, and then bring forth, in this case, our, our case, fruit. He's going to bring forth a nation out of, out of captivity. We get the same opportunity to bring people out of captivity. Praise the Lord. Like we get that exact same opportunity. Psalm 126, a pretty well-known uh, psalm or, or verse. He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. It's interesting because the Bible conference that I mentioned that will take place next month in Harrisonville, the entity, the, the organization that prints the Bibles, that prints the, I can't remember the, the basically the sections of scripture, scripture I can't remember what the, the term is, signature, thank you, the signatures, 
so, so if you have your Bible and you, and you look, you can kind of see some natural divisions in your Bible, depending upon the type of binding. That would, each of those would be a signature, okay? The, the entity, this organization that prints these signatures is called Bearing Precious Seed. Because they know if they can get the Bible in somebody's hand, that the Holy Spirit can do an amazing work using the Word of God. So he that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. That's the beauty of discipleship. That is the beauty of evangelism. Is that we get to walk into the presence of God at the judgment seat of Christ together. It's, a, it's an amazing responsibility that pastors have. Because we won't just stand account and give an account for our own walk. We'll give an account for how we led you all as well. It's not a sin, you know, it's not like, I mean, sin's dealt with. Like if I mess up, that's under the, under the, the blood, right? But I have an opportunity to lead you all well. We have an opportunity to go to evangelize, to minister, and bring our sheaves together with us. Into, into eternity. That's an amazing promise. In Luke eight fifteen, be uh, and so so the passage right the, the 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 parable of the sower and the seed. But on that ground, uh, good ground are they which, with an honest and good heart, having heard the word, keep it and bring forth fruit with patience. They actually reproduce. The into that so so we love the sower and seed parable. Because, right, there's some people that the seed just lands and it gets, uh, you know, the ravens come and they take it or birds come and they take it away. Some it's thorny ground, some stony ground, but there's good ground. We love that story, right? It's a good story. It's a great parable. But we often leave off that last part. It's not, the seed is not planted so that the flower can grow. The seed is planted so that it can bring forth more fruit. That's literally what Jesus is talking about. It brings forth fruit with patience. It doesn't just grow. Amen. Praise the Lord. The plant grows and is full and is full of life and has has and people look at it and it's it's healthy and it's wonderful. But it also needs to produce seeds. It also needs to produce fruit. That's part of the parable. Romans six twenty two. But now being made free from sin and become servants to God, ye have your fruit unto holiness and to the end everlasting life. You have an opportunity to bring fruit unto holiness and that ye might walk being fruitful in every good work according to Colossians chapter 1. So the commission to Moses is very clear. It's threefold commission. Come, get close to me. Go where I'm going to send you and then you're going to bring forth fruit. Now, in Moses' case, you're going to bring forth that fruit out of the nation of Israel or, or uh, out of the nation of Egypt. So victory principle number one, the Great Commission is a promise, not just a commission, but it's a promise if you allow it to be. It's a promise that he's going to go with us. He's going to go and, and, and participate in this. Now, the struggle, the challenge that Moses had was the one that I think we'll see we all have. And it's twofold. Now it skips verses. So it's in, I would argue it's in verse 11 and verse 13. Moses said unto God, who am I that I should go into Pharaoh? That I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt. Remember me, the guy who killed somebody? Remember me, the guy who ran? Who am I? And I don't know about you. Anybody else an Elvis gospel fan? Anybody else listen to Elvis gospel? He does a great rendition of who am I. 
Like you should YouTube it. It's it. it uh, every time I read this, they're like, who am I? I, I, I can't even do it. I can't do it because I'm not Elvis. Okay. Um, and Moses, but in verse 13, and Moses said unto God, Behold, when I come unto the children of Israel and say unto them, The God of your father sent me, and they say, shall say to me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? Like, how am I going to validate that? So, so the first thing that jumped out, right? Who am I? Well, inadequacy is a pattern in the Old Testament. It's a pattern in the Old Testament. In Judges, we see Gideon say, Oh, my Lord, wherewith shall I save Israel? Behold, my family is poor in Manasseh, and I'm the least in my father's house. Like, you're going to use me? Why, did, why was there a tendency to look at inadequacy? Because the, the way of deliverance was often with the hand, right? With the strength of the hand. But not in the best of stories. In the best of stories, it was with the faith. It was with the power of God, not with the, the power of the sword, the power of the spear, the power of the, of the hand. It's through God delivering. Look in Jeremiah 1.6, and I said, Ah, Lord, God, behold, I cannot speak, for I am a child. Like, I don't, I don't, you know, anybody remember? Sorry for the, maybe a bad illustration. Anybody remember Saturday Night Live back when it used to be good? When the caveman, the caveman, uh, I can't remember the, 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 the kind of the series, it was skits, right? It's like, caveman lawyer, thank you, it was caveman lawyer. So he was a caveman, kind of like the Geico commercials, but he was like, and he would always go, I don't understand all of your modern laws and these fancy computers. I'm just a caveman. I mean, that's literally what Jeremiah, the principle, Jer- it's like, I don't understand. I'm like a child. Like, I can't think like you do, God. I can't handle this. People are going to overcome me. I don't have strength of myself to do it. Even Paul this inadequacy, we, I said Old Testament, we see it in the New Testament. For I am the least of the apostles, then I'm not meet to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. Remember, I used to kill them and have them killed and put in prison. Like, I'm not really one of the good ones. I feel like there's probably people that could do this better than I can. And then he writes in 2 Corinthians this really strong statement that should honestly... Cause us all to shake a little bit in our boots. Or shoes. I don't think anybody's wearing boots today. To the one, we're a savor of death unto death when we preach the gospel. We're literally sealing their, their fate. Because they will stand before an almighty God if they do not accept him. And he will say, remember that person I sent to you and preached the gospel and you rejected be a savor of death unto death. And to the other, a savor of life unto life. I mean, you preach the gospel and they accept, the, uh, accept Christ and man, that's wonderful. And who is sufficient for these things? Like, not me. <laughs> like, that's a really heavy concept. Really heavy concept that you might think that the way you evangelize has somebody's eternal destiny in their hands. In your hands, I mean. That situation, now, we're going to see that the pressure's actually off of you, so bear with me. So inadequacy is a pattern we see in Scripture, but it's also essential. It's essential. God wants to do an amazing work with the inadequate. 
And such trust have we through Christ to Godward. Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything as ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God. Like, if I can convince someone through logic and reason and etc. that they should be saved, that's of me. I can't do that. I, honestly, I can't do that work. The Holy Spirit has to be there. The Holy Spirit has to be the one convicting. The Holy Spirit has to be the one preparing that ground. Who also hath made us, look at this, who also hath made us to be able ministers of the New Testament. Not great ministers, not outstanding ministers, just able. The Holy Spirit is the one that makes you even minimally sufficient to do this. Do not think it relies on you. There's, there's a component of faith and component of obedience for you. But beyond that, don't feel like the world rests on your shoulders. So, so why is that important? The second part of that, Moses says, well, what am I going to say? And I, to that, I'm, to you, believer, stop worrying about it. The Lord will give you the words to say. Luke 12 is pretty clear. <coughs> Excuse me. And when they bring you into the synagogues and unto the magistrates and powers, take ye no thought of how or what thing ye shall answer or what ye shall say, for the Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost shall teach you in the same hour what ye ought to say. And even in the illustration of the situation with Stephen in Acts 6, then there arose certain of the synagogue, which, are called, uh, which is called the synagogue of the Libertines and the Cyrenians, um, and Cyrenians and Alexandrians, and of them of Cilicia and Asia, disputing with Stephen. They wanted to enter into this really heavy debate. So Stephen has all of his cross-references. He has all of his stuff lined up, right? So he can debate them. Nope. And they were not able to resist the wisdom and spirit by which he spake. So yeah, there was some wisdom there. He was, he was ready. He was, he was a, quote, ready scribe, if you will. He understood scripture. He understood enough about his, uh, his situation, his uh, sinful nature, and, and, and knew that God had redeemed him. But it's the spirit that's going to do that work. So, so again, stop worrying about it. Even in Ephesians 6, for, and for me, that utterance may be given unto me. Not just the door of utterance, but utterance. What to say would be given, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. The thing that is mysterious, I don't have to be eloquent at. Matter of fact, Christ generally doesn't work through eloquence. He works through simplicity. He works through simplicity. For which I am an ambassador in bonds, and therein that I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Well, what does that mean, as I ought to speak? Does it mean I have all my cross-references and all my... No, it means that I speak as the Holy Spirit guides. 2 Corinthians 2. For we are not as many which corrupt the word of God, but as of sincerity, but as of God, in the sight of God... Speak we in Christ, not of Christ, but in Christ. This work is done through the Holy Spirit. Now, you get the opportunity to be there. You get the opportunity 
I, I think I've used this illustration, and I'm sorry if it, if it bothers you at all, but it's, it's not too different from, a, from an obstetrician that delivers babies. Like, that obstetrician, everybody thanks the doctor. Like, he kind of just caught the baby. And I'm not, I'm not minimizing. I mean, the doctor should be there for the complications, for the serious situations. But he, he wasn't there at the creation of the baby. Thank goodness. Like, he didn't cause the baby to develop. Right? He didn't even, he or she, didn't even cause the baby to be delivered. I mean, sometimes they give medicines that do those things. But the medicine caused the, the mom's body to do it. Right. So, I mean, the obstetrician, I've I heard, you know, a good obstetrician could have been a, just a catcher at baseball. Like just right here, right here. Come on. Right. I mean, like, like, like it's not their job to make. And, and again, I'm not trying to be trite or silly, but it's not their job to make a baby. It's their job to receive the life that is happening. Right. Are you with me? The evangelist, it's not your job to create life. That work was done by somebody with a much higher pay grade. The creator of heaven and earth. You just need to be there with an open mouth. So, the victory principle too, opening your mouth is the hardest part. And I, and I chose that word on purpose, opening. Opening your mouth. Because once you just engage and once you start talking and once you start sharing your life and the doors are open and you start walking through it, you'll actually see it's not of you. The Lord will bring I, the concepts to mind. The Lord will remind you of things. Whatever the case is, he will do the work. And, and we have dealt with this time and time again. You all are not listening nearly fast enough. So I need you to listen faster. Okay. All right. So the victory is in the following of 11 to 12 and 13 to 14. And God, and he said, certainly, God said, certainly I will be with thee. I mean, I kind of feel like you could have put a period right there instead of a colon or a semicolon and further explanation. And this shall be a token unto thee that I have sent thee. When thou hast brought forth the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God upon this mountain. Like he, he didn't have to get, that was like, that was the cherry on top. The fact that God was going to be with them was, was kind of enough. And then the other response to the, to what shall I say? And he, and he said in Moses, I am that I am. And he said, thus shalt thou, thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, I, I am hath sent me unto you. Like that's enough. Don't overcomplicate it. Don't overcomplicate it. So I will be with thee. Did you know, look at that. This is a promise to Abraham. Sojourn in this land and I will be with you. To Jacob, and the Lord said unto Jacob, I will be with thee. To Joshua, as I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. Gideon, and the Lord said unto him, surely I will be with thee. David, go, and the Lord be with thee. Solomon, and the Lord God, even my God, will be with thee. Isaiah, when thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee. Like, that is enough. It's enough. It's enough. I don't have a whole lot more, but I, I probably could have put a period at the message right there. God's going to be with you. So it's a promise to them, but it's also a promise to us. 
Notice the Great Commission, the parallel between Matthew 28 and Exodus 3, the last part of Exodus 3, the part that we're looking at today, is amazing. Teaching them to observe, so right, the go part we already talked about, to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. He's like, I'll be with you. The same God that looks at Moses through the burning bush and says, go deliver the nation of Israel out of the bondage in Egypt. And he's like, who am I? Don't worry. I'm going to be with you. It's enough. It's enough. And then what do you say? Well, say that I am sent you. Now, this would have been validation for the children of Israel. God said in Moses, I am that I am. And he said, thou sh- uh, thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, I am hath sent me unto you. Right? That, that Jehovah hath sent him, sent Moses. But it's also a validation for the disciples. You can't miss it. I mean, Jesus validates it. Jesus said in very, very, I say unto you, before Abraham was, I am. He's throwing that out there, right? For sure. But notice, we're going to spend time again in the Great Commission in Matthew 28. Same verse. Teaching them to observe all things what I've commanded you. And though I'm with you always, even unto the end of the world, I am. I am with you always. Like he throws it out there. He dabbles it in there. And maybe it's just in the English, but we can certainly devotionally take that, that the I am is going to be with us. The I am. So victory principle number three, and good job catching up. You guys did a good job listening faster. (laughs) Your who am I must become I am. Now, do not misunderstand me. I'm not saying your words need to go from who am I to I am. That would be counter to what I'm trying to teach. Right? Jesus is very clear, or the Gospels are very clear, that Jesus must increase and we must decrease. That needs to go from who am I. There's a play on words here. There's an absolute play on words. Who am I? Tell him I am sent you. Because it's not you. It's not about you, Moses. Christian, it's not about you. You have a job to do. You're there to answer questions. You're there to explain what the Lord's done in your life. But don't overcomplicate it. You don't have to have an answer to, to, uh, to you don't have to have an answer to where are the dinosaurs. Well, I don't know. What are you going to do if you're in hell and there's dinosaurs? Like, it isn't about uh, evolution. It isn't about how long the first day was. In Genesis, it isn't about did the does a person in the in the far reaches of the Amazon rainforest hear the gospel? I'll let the holy and just God that I believe in be accountable for that. You, friend, are going to die in your sins if you don't have them paid for. Like, stop com- commingling all the issues. The issue is with you. And your sin. Well, did God create a rock he can't move? He created a hell he can't pull you out of. You don't have to be an intellect to share the fact that sin can be forgiven. I'm pretty sure all of you understood those words. We overcomplicate this. Trying to prepare for every every response, every counteract. Look, you just don't have to. Now, Now you need to be wise. You don't need to walk up and poke somebody in the eye. 
Like there's enough Christians, if they really are, Christians out there that, are, that, are, that, that pick the wrong fight. You need, to say, you need to change. You shouldn't be homosexual anymore. You shouldn't be an adulterer anymore. You shouldn't do this anymore. No, 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 no. The issue is, you are not holy. You've done something that separates you from God. I don't care what the label is. Have you done anything wrong? If so, how are you paying for that? Because you don't ha- you're now tainted. You don't have the ability to pay for it. But I know somebody that made a willing sacrifice to pay for your sin. Well, but, but what about the dinosaurs? I don't care about the dinosaurs. What, what about the flood? And It wasn't a universal flood and there's ev- archaeological evidence. Well, all I know is that there is going to come a day, and, and this was on Facebook the other day, and maybe one of you shared it because you're old people and you're on Facebook, at least a lot of you. I'm putting myself in that category. I'm putting myself in that category. And it was an amazing quote. And I think it was actually, I don't remember who it was from. It might have been you uh, that posted it, because you're old too. No, it was not about jean shorts. That was funny. And it was like, the earth is like a gazillion, bazillion degrees Fahrenheit. And you can't even stare at it without going blind. Yet you intend to waltz into its creator with what you've got going on? You are going to be burned. I mean, the creator of the sun. And that sun, our sun ain't the biggest, best one. And you intend to just waltz into the creator and be like... Well, you didn't answer my questions about archaeology. Oh, bro, I gave you plenty of evidence. I don't think God would say bro, but I gave you plenty of opportunity. I gave you plenty of of description of the sacrifice and substitutionary nature of Jesus' sacrifice in, in, in the earth, in nature. Everything was born out for you, and you ignored all of it. I spoke to you. I used my Holy Spirit to convict you. Do you remember that time when you were in junior high and you knew that there was more to life than what was going on? And you, 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 you covered that up with a desire to have a better job. You covered that up because you thought, what about the girls? The girls are going to think less of me. Or you were worried about your friend. Do you remember that thought? How are we going to waltz into the, into the presence of the creator of the sun and not expect to be burned if we don't have a covering. It's not that difficult. God will be with you. Open your mouth. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the victory that we see in Moses in this very moment, this, this, this snapshot that Moses gets the opportunity to deliver people from bondage. Help us to apply that. Help us to see our great commission that we get the opportunity to deliver people from bondage And you do all the work and we get to witness it. Lord, help us to be better ministers. Help us to be better evangelists. Help us to be just better testimonies. Help us to be that, that, the, the, the plant, the seed that was planted in good ground so that we can bring forth more fruit. Not just so that we can live, but that we can bring forth more fruit. Lord, thank you for loving us. Thank you for your patience with us. I thank you personally for your patience with me. For so many times I make it more complicated and more difficult than it needs to be. Thank you for the simplicity in Christ. 
In Jesus' name, amen. You guys have a great day. Love you guys. Uh, If I can do anything for anybody, just let me know.